So here's the backstory for this show on mental health. You know, our number one shows that people watch, especially online, are our shows on mental health. Um, it's a big one. And I think what I'm excited, I wouldn't say excited about, what I'm encouraged about is more and more people are talking about it. I, when I was growing up, no one talked about mental health or mental illness or mental health challenges. No one really talked about depression. Nobody ever talked about those things when I was growing up because it was a huge taboo and there was a stigma attached to it. And so, you know, my heart and the, the purpose of See Here Love is to share honest conversations and to bring topics to the forefront in discussion that matter and that people can learn from. And in it, talk about our own faith within it. So what I love about this show is that uh, Dr. Mary, Stephen, Brett, and Carla all share their personal stories about mental health challenges. And so it was a really great show because we got to share, and also for me, for the first time on See Her Love, I shared about my depression story. And I've shared about it when I go and speak um, across Canada at women's conferences and retreats, but I've never really fully fleshed it out and talked about my own journey with depression, really situational depression or circumstantial depression that I have to be always aware of even to this day. And so we share our personal stories about it. And then we also talk about what are steps in recovery. Uh, what was really fascinating, as you'll hear in the show, is that it's, there's not a quick fix and everything changes, but it is a journey and there's some honest conversations and things we have to do. We have to make choices to be healthy. There's intentionality. And in the show, you're gonna hear tips on things that each one of us has done and is doing to ensure that we are healthy. The thing too of what I love about this show and a bit of the backstory is that I'm so tired of the stigma that is around mental health, that people still, two thirds I was reading in a report, do not talk about or get help with mental health challenges or mental illness because they don't want the stigma. They don't want people to think they're weak, that they can't do it. And as Christians, uh, Christians have told me and, and friends personally have said, I don't want to share that I'm depressed because how does that make sense when I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to have God's spirit in me giving me power, love, and a sound mind. And people quote scripture over me or they say, okay, if we just pray over you, you're going to get better instantly. And church, we have done some serious damage to people that struggle with mental health. And we need to take a step back and recalibrate and say, whoa, there's a lot of parts here with mental health struggles. There's absolutely prayer and faith, and there's, and there's a spiritual aspect, but there's also physical and this whole holistic view of us. And there's going to be need of doctors, and there's gonna be a need of natural paths, and there's gonna be need of counselors and therapists, and there's gonna be need, of course, of community, and especially church community to rally and care and not judge people as they recover, as they journey, as they struggle with mental health. So that's the backstory. I wanted to do this show because I think See Here Love needs to talk more about helping people, inspiring people, encouraging people through uh, the challenges. And um, especially for someone who has gone through it and still has those triggers, I think it was important for me as the host to be honest about my own journey. So I hope you're encouraged by it. And that's the backstory of this mental health show.
Well, one in five Canadians will suffer from mental illness some point in their life. So today on See, Here Love, I'm going to share my personal story with depression, and I'm joined by other courageous friends who will be sharing their personal stories of mental health, and we'll share some simple ways that together we can help end the stigma and move forward in healing and recovery. That's next. Welcome to See Here Love. I'm your host, Melinda Estabrooks. I'm so glad that you've joined us for a very important conversation today all about mental health issues. And I'm glad that I've been joined by new friends and old friends to talk about this really important discussion and topic. So first off, Dr. Mary Lynn, you're a registered psychologist, speaker and author of The Fully Lived Life, Rescuing Our Souls from All That Holds Us Back. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> You're like, yes, that is me. Um, but also, you, you have struggled with depression and anxiety as well in your life. Mm -hmm. So I know that you'll, have, you'll bring a lot into mm -hmm. the conversation today. Yeah. So welcome, Thank Mary. You. Next to you, Stephen Rolf, Director of Mental Health Services at Indwell. And I love this, Stephen. It's a Christian charity that creates affordable housing communities that support people seeking health, wellness, and belonging. Yes. You've also been a registered nurse for over 30 years? Uh, this is my 30th year. So you started when you were like 10. Really young. Thank you. Childlike. Thank, okay. <laughs> thank you so much for that. <laughs> Anytime. I can just keep doing that. So Stephen, you'll have a lot to say because you support people that struggle with mental health issues in the work that you do. Yes, yeah. thank you. All right. And then we have Carla Arges. Yeah, close. What is it? Arges. Arges, Arges. You're a mom, blogger, and author who is learning to thrive while in recovery uh, with depression, bipolar, and borderline personality yeah. disorder. Welcome. Thank you for being thank here. You. I know that you'll contribute a lot to our conversation I today. I hope so. Yes. And Brett Ullman, a longtime friend, but the first time on the show with first me. Time. Though I have tried to get you on in a couple times and you're super busy. But Brett, author, speaker, father, husband, and you've struggled with anxiety and depression for eight years now, and you've also just recently been diagnosed with Lyme disease. Yes. Wow. So I know that you're going to have a lot as well to share and talk about in this topic. So thank you all for mm -hmm. being here. I want to start off with our news and views because I want to get your thoughts on this latest from the Bell Let's Talk website, 2019. And this is the sort of statistic, and I want your thoughts on this. It's a fact that one in five Canadians will suffer from mental illness at some point in their lifetime. And one of the biggest hurdles, they say, for anyone suffering from mental illness is overcoming the stigma. Mm -hmm. It is the number one reason why two-thirds of those living with a mental illness do not seek help. I had no idea it was that big. Two-thirds mm -hmm. of people living with a mental illness do not seek help. What are your thoughts about that? Is that true? Have you experienced that? Or why are people not wanting to seek help? I think those numbers are actually underestimating. Really, eh? Uh, if you think about uh, different cultures mm -hmm. uh, where mental health uh, issues are not even talked about, so they would just go see their physician. Right, Yeah. right. Carla, what would you say about that, that there's a stigma with with mental illness and mental health issues? I would say that's definitely reflective in my journey. It took me a long time to actually seek out the support and the helps that I needed because I was afraid of what it meant and what it said about me and how I would be received or judged by others. So it really held me back from healing. So the stigma. Yeah. Brett, what about you? Um, the statistics are interesting to me. When I travel and speak and I ask who knows someone who struggles with mental health, it's like every hand in the whole room goes up mm. every night. But I see it even worse when I'm dealing with men. 
when I go and do like a men's breakfast, and I'm very open, I, I've had eight years of struggle, and it's incredible how many guys after I come up and go like, you, you struggle with this? And I'm like, yeah. But it's kind of the idea of, well, if you can, and you're sort of normal, like, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. mental health for too often has been those people, and now that it's like someone that they can see, they think is fairly normal, they're like, well, if you can deal with this, maybe I can deal with this. Wow. And they kind of, one guy said, I'm gonna come out of the closet tonight. Yeah. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean by that? And he said, from a mental health standpoint, he says, I've never told anyone oh. my struggles with mental health. Yeah, well, it might look like we're not faithful enough. We're not mm. praying yes. enough. We're not strong we're enough. We're not strong we're not enough. Not that. Because mm. mental illness is seen then as a weakness, as opposed to just something that happens to us. It's a source of struggle. It's a source of suffering. Yeah. But it doesn't define who we are. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Stephen, in the work that you do, you must see, see this. Yes. And I, I guess what I do is I flip the statistics. So when I look at one out of every five, I think about four out of every five people likely encountering somebody mm -hmm. with a mental health issue, knowing the person by name, they may even be a family member. Um, so it, it, for me, it actually represents opportunity uh, or lost opportunity yeah. in some ways. So stigma would be lost opportunity to actually come around and, and actually provide support. Yeah, I think that is actually a good way to flip it to say, you mm -hmm. know, everybody, there's, you know, it says here one in five, but then there's other people who can be that support mm -hmm. for those that do struggle. Yeah. Thank you so much for your thoughts. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to your stories when we come back. That's coming up next. Start your week off with me in your inbox. Sign up for our weekly newsletter today for exclusive content of See Here Love. Blogs, behind the scenes footage, and access to giveaways you'll love. Sign up today and let's start our week together. Well, let's start with sharing our personal stories or connection with mental health issues um, in our own lives. So Carl, let's start with you. I mentioned earlier that you've struggled with depression, um, bipolar and personality disorder, borderline yes. uh, personality disorder. Yeah. What was that journey like? Tell us a little bit about, about you. Well, it's a journey I'm still on for yeah. sure. Um, it started in my youth and just this feeling like I was broken and didn't belong and wasn't worthy um, and just such repressive thoughts that had me when I was 13 try to kill myself for the first time. Um, and it's been a long journey for diagnosis because I was afraid to come clean. Mm -hmm. I questioned like, what did it mean for me as a Christian? Am I not faithful enough? Does yeah. like, do I have sin in my life that I'm not repenting of enough? Is this a punishment? Is this, and it really kept me from seeking help and getting me further and further away from God in shame, mm -hmm. further and further away from the support systems in shame um, until I finally realized that I have an opportunity to take control of my health and I have a responsibility and I realized that I had to put the stigma aside and go and seek treatment, that it was no longer about me not being Christian enough or me being broken. I'm still going through therapy and I'm still going through... Um, and you know what? Um Carl, I like that you said that you're still in recovery yeah. because I never want it to be where people are like, and there has been such harm done from the church and from people who are Christians that say, pray it out, do all these things. And it makes you feel more broken. Yeah. Because yeah. why can't Marshall, I yeah. make myself feel well yeah. if that's the answer? Yeah. Why isn't it working for me? So I'm glad that you say that. And I think that's good for language. I think one of the things for healing is to, to change language yes. and to be honest about 
about that. So, I, um, in working yeah. with clients who are struggling, I never talk about the end of the road where they're going to be all better. No. I talk about growing in resilience. Yes. Mm -hmm. Growing in that. confidence that they can be okay. Growing in faith. Yeah. Growing in their dependence on God and just making healthier choices for themselves. Yeah. So the goal isn't to be perfect, all fixed, because this side of heaven is that realistic. And real life has ebbs and flows, exactly. whether you are in the midst of struggling with mental health or not. Mm -hmm. There is a range of human emotions that we are designed to yes. feel, and it's okay right. to feel them. Mm -hmm. And it's learning how to sit in some of those emotions and know that I'll be okay. Exactly. This is a wave. Yeah. I'm going to come out yeah, on the other right. side. Yeah. And it's a practice in doing that. Mm -hmm. That's good. Brett, are you resonating when you hear some of the things that Carla is saying, or what are your thoughts as you're listening? It's interesting. We were kind of chatting backstage coming on anything with mental health. Now, I know you, so I wasn't worried, but I'm always worried sometimes speaking in church environments on mental health because you don't know the response of every, like, yeah. like you said a minute ago, like, you know, pray more, read your Bible more. Those are good things. Mm -hmm. And I think language, we have to be and people, not or people. It's not your Bible or medication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's the Bible and medication. Like, yeah. So it's an and language, mm -hmm. but it was nice chatting because like mm -hmm. I, I mean, I also have struggled. I'm on almost eight years now. Mm -hmm. So I left teaching. Uh, I did a program called the Aero Leadership Program. Went straight from that into a master's degree down in Chicago. Now speaking 300 dates a year to pay for it, which is fully unsustainable. Absolutely. And I'm married with two kids. And that's not a little tack on. That's another big one. <laughs> Absolutely. So I graduated. I spiraled for five months. And then I collapsed in a parking lot and spent five months. I didn't really leave my house. And I didn't work for about a year. And I'm eight years later, and there's irony in my journey in that I still struggle. Like even today, my anxiety is about an eight or nine out of ten. Yeah. But I, the ebbs and flows of life, like I, I find I kind of have good days and I have bad days. Mm. I resonate with all the all different right, conversations yeah. mm -hmm. for sure. That's good, Brad. Thank you. Steve? I think the thing that affected me the most um, in, in a practice in mental health is the understanding that um, treatment is, is crucial, it's important. Um, going to your physician is important, getting the help you need is important, but it doesn't end there. Um, we need each other. We were created to be in community yeah. with each other. Um, so when, when folks are leaving hospitals or institutions, yeah. having good housing, having uh, a decent place to live, mm -hmm. safety, yeah. um, the opportunity to actually be a neighbor, not, not to have a good neighbor, but to be. actually be a neighbor. Yeah. And, yeah. and Sounds have, a little like Mr. Rogers. Kind of. <laughs> Sorry. The, the world really does need <laughs> Mr. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> you know, it's, the, it's creating those opportunities for people to emerge into roles yeah. that everybody else can actually appreciate and identify yeah, with and good. when you see folks um, being represented that way as yeah. members of the community in their own right then I think we've moved forward and yeah. I just wish we'd have more of it that's mm -hmm. good thank you Stephen that's great and Mary was Stephen's talking mm -hmm. in your own personal story where it's 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 amazing you're a psychologist but you're so open to say but I also struggle with depression and anxiety mm -hmm. that's really courageous because I would I would think that a lot of people in your profession would be like I don't want to look like I've had problems or dealt with the things that I'm actually mm -hmm. trying to give advice to, mm -hmm. you know, or to care for people. So yeah. talk to us about well, that. Well, physician, heal thyself, right? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, when you are in a role of helping others, uh, there's a lot of good that comes from that because you genuinely want to help others. But the, the downside of it is that, at least for me, I turned away from even thinking about myself and my needs. And I poured out and poured out. And I, I would say my depression came from... Um, and this is where shame is, like I kind of did it to myself. Mm. I have such an issue with people pleasing 
wanting to basically rescue the world and it's not possible. And when I would take on a responsibility, it felt like this was a responsibility for life. And in all honesty, it's just pride. Pride thinking that I can be like God in people's lives. All that to say, when I was living a life that was beyond what is humanly possible, I began to crash. So I remember saying I need to take some time off. And I thought, oh great, I'm gonna go on vacation, gonna spend some time by the lake. No, it was pretty ugly. Hey, it's Chris, friend of See Here Love with Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I just had to let you know that the only way that See Here Love gets to produce fun and authentic conversations like this one is through your financial donations. So go to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. You know, I, I talk about my own depression uh, when I go and speak. And, uh, but I don't really talk a lot about it in detail mm -hmm. because I think it was the stigma. Like I'm actually, you know, a, you know, on national TV, I'm a speaker, I'm this like Christian, I'm on the board of a church, I work mm -hmm. in the church and for me to actually talk about depression where people have said, oh, but Mel, you've got God's spirit in you who gives you power, love and a sound mind, how could you be depressed? Right. So why would I ever go out on public stage and say that I was in a depression for eight months? Mm -hmm. Completely in the dark. And I would actually call it the dark night of my soul. Mm -hmm. And what they, what they diagnosed for me was it was situational depression, circumstantial depression, where I was so overloaded yeah. by very traumatic things in my life that I actually crashed. And when I say traumatic things, it was like a broken relationship, a very challenging situation at work, being hit by a transport truck on a major highway, finding my birth mom. I mean, you want to go through identity and loss and challenge. Mm -hmm. It all happened within about two to three months. Mm -hmm. right. And the doctor and counselor said, I was so overloaded that my brain and body literally shut down because I could not mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, even spiritually deal with it. And I went dark. Right. And it was eight months where it was like literally one day at a time where, I mean, I couldn't get up and then it was like, go to the, you know, the hall, walk to your table. Like that's how, ba like that's, and the winds were, this week I washed my face. Right, yeah. right. Like it literally was the wind. Um, and I'm gonna talk about how I was in recovery, but I'll be honest, it is not an end thing because I know that I have tendencies to go towards that situational, you know, overload and could go there again. And so I have to be very careful that I don't overload myself because it could happen. And there have been moments where it, I was slipping and I had to really watch and stop myself. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. I, I'm looking forward to hearing some of the things that you're doing for your own self-care and some other of your thoughts and more of your story. But let's go now to Joanna, Brooke, and Steve as they share their thoughts on Psalm 23 from The Good Word and sing one of my favorite songs, You Say, by Lauren Daigle. That's next. Thanks, Mel. It's such a great conversation, important conversation that mm. we're having today, yeah. this whole month around mental health and what that looks like, mm -hmm. how we can be okay even when we're not okay. You're bringing a song today by Lauren Daigle. Yeah. Love her. This song yeah. is is just a, a huge encouragement to so many people. Yeah. Um, so what's the song? Yeah, the song is called You Say. And, yeah. you know, it's just... Uh, it's just a beautiful reminder of who God says we are. Right. right. Um, I, yeah, I'm not going to say any more. I'll just sing it for you. Okay. <laughs> I keep 
I love this. I want to just jump into this scripture, Psalm 23. Yeah. It's like even people who aren't super familiar with the Bible, they may know yeah, this one. Right. It talks about the Lord is my shepherd, so I lack nothing. Mm -hmm. But then there's this line in it that says, even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Like you right. are my shepherd. Yeah. You right. care for me. Yeah. So like my identity is as a sheep, as someone yeah. who is cared for. I mean, for me, like I even, I don't know if I can, I even have it on my arm. I yeah. have the word lamb, right? Yeah. Like right. it's so important to me to remember that's my identity, yeah. that he cares for us. Yeah. And I think too, like that idea of going through the, the reason that the sheep is going through the dark valley is because the shepherd is leading them to the other side, right? Mm, and so, yeah. like that that image of like, yeah, the the in in the temporal sense, I'm going through a dark valley in my life. But like the shepherd, I am the sheep. He's the shepherd. He's leading me to the other side. I love that image, like that. There's a reason we're going through this dark valley right. to get to yeah. the greener pastures on the other side, the quiet waters. Well, and I'm also reminded that like nothing can change us like from the inside out. Like the Word of God can change us. Mm. You know, yeah. Like the Bible is. Filled with um, scriptures of like who he says we are. And yeah. so when we fill our hearts, our mouths with the words of who God says we are, yeah. like, that changes us. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That like we are formed in him, we are safe in him, we are secure in him, and he loves us yeah. and has a good plan for our that's life. Right. Okay. Yeah, no matter what we're going through, even right. if it feels like a dark valley of a time. Uh, Mel, we're going to pass it back to you to close up the show. And we hope this is just an encouragement to everyone. Yeah. Well, thanks, Joanna, for the reminder in Psalm 23 that God is our shepherd leading us through dark valleys mm -hmm. and resting in green pastures. He is with us. And Brooke and Steve, the song You Say by Lauren Daigle, an anthem to say, this is who I am. This is how God sees me. Not what others say or allow me uh, to believe about myself and to define me. Powerful, powerful. Well, Thank you for sharing so much about your story, but now I wanna talk about some of the things that you're doing in recovery and managing your mental health issues. Brett, I wanna start with you, because you're saying it's still happening, it's been eight years, what are you doing? 
When this all started, I mean, many, many years ago, one of my first psychologists said to me that to facilitate healing, we have to divide up the indivisible. It was a really interesting line. Mm. And I mean, I began, like I've spoken on mental health even before this, a lot more self-harm and those different things, but having a breakdown, being at home for a year, and then seeing some of the comments the church often gives you, some of the, mm. have you stopped reading your Bible? Yeah, kind of like no, God I goes, if you stop reading your Bible. <laughs> I began to create another talk, that, well, the one that I do these days on mental health. But I really use the analogy body, mind, and soul. You, you said it a minute ago, physical, mm. emotional, spiritual. And so I know that I can only control what I can control. So I do what I can do. I can eat better. I can sleep more, I can exercise daily, I can watch my thought life and watch how I'm dealing with all those things, make sure I'm not overscheduling. Now, there are seasons when you, like I, I'm a speaker, so like November was crazy. I was in three provinces, I'm traveling a lot, but it's not a life, it's just a season of busyness. Mm -hmm. But I can do that and then I let people do what they can do. So my psychologist, my, my um, I have people dealing not only with my Lyme disease, but I have like doctors involved yeah. with my naturopath is working ongoing, trying to figure out what is the root issue of all my struggles. But, and then, so it's body, the mind, and then of course, letting God, Father, Son, and Spirit move mm -hmm. in the journey as well. So for me, it's just kind of a, like I have a note at home, it's his body, mind, and soul. And every yeah. day I got to move forward in one of those things. Yeah. But there is an intentionality about it. Like you can't just snap your finger and be like, I'm gonna be well. You actually have to work at it, is what you're saying. Well, and none of us know which of those things will be the thing. Right. I, I went to a sleep clinic and the doctor said I had fragmented sleep. I'm like, I know. I said, can you help me? He said, no. And I must have looked a bit sad. I think my shoulders dropped. And he said, no, no, this is good. You can tick it off that that's not your issue. A friend of mine who's a youth pastor was at home for a year, went to a sleep clinic. They said the worst sleep apnea they've ever seen. He was better in one day. Really? But his church said, it's not medical, it's spiritual. So you're not to go to doctors. And finally, I'm like, just go to a sleep clinic. And he did. So like, I can't look at you and say, well, yours is physical, yours is emotional. Yours, you, we don't know. So yeah. it's three roads that I kind of take on an ongoing basis. That's good. So body, mind, mind and soul. soul. Mm -hmm. That's good. I, I think everybody should put that up, like what you do. Mm -hmm. That's a good reminder. Brad, mm -hmm. that's great. Carla, what about you? Very similar. It's yeah. about creating habits of wellness, and that's how I look at it. What are my habits of wellness? I need to move my body because there's so much release that happens, so much that we can influence in our happy hormones, as I call them. I need to eat right. I need to manage my sugar because the reality is with someone who deals with mood disorders, mm. I have to take control of how I'm allowing my body to crash, limiting alcohol, limiting caffeine, limiting yeah. sugar. Um, I have to be intentional with gratitude. I have mm. to frame my thoughts. I have to, through seeing my therapist and learning how to rewrite the story in my head. It's a very practical way that we renew our mind mm -hmm. in speaking the truth over myself and understanding that my feelings do not dictate the reality. My feelings do not dictate my identity mm -hmm. and just creating habits of wellness, but it has to be intentional. Yeah. And you have to create it as a habit because you're not always gonna feel motivated. When I'm lying and stuck under my weighted blanket and yeah. it's a battle to get to the shower, yeah. it's not gonna be motivation yeah. that gets me there. It's going to remember that I have to be disciplined because no one else is going to do it for me and take control of my wellness and create a habit around it. That is good. That is good. I like that for both of you. It's like this intentionality of actually doing it. Yeah. You have to do it. I like your feeling statement. John Ortenberg says, we're known by our fruits, not by our feelings. Yes. Yeah. And I really oh. like that. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody should hear that because I think a lot of us are ruled and run by feelings. Mm. How I feel is this, and if I feel this way, so that my day is bad, good, my life is this and that based on how I feel. 
That's excellent. That's mm. great. Stephen, your thoughts about ways that people, you know, um, and who you work with can help in recovery and managing. For us at Indwell, it's always been about taking love thy neighbor seriously. And it's not just direct actions with people, it's creating environments. We often say that as a, as a landlord, we're, we're a landlord that will actually knock on your door and ask you, how are you doing yeah, today? That's really good. Hmm. Yeah. So they're not forgotten that they're, yeah. that somebody's there, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Stephen, that's good. Mary? Yeah, I appreciate what uh, everyone's been saying so far, especially about being able to track your thinking and make sure you're focusing on things you're grateful for. I mean, research shows that you can actually rewire your brain mm -hmm. um, so that you're, you're able to then release those happy hormones so you feel better. Um, but I do want to also balance it with the truth that our emotions, they have a reason for existing and that there are often uh, messages that our emotions are telling us. And so for myself personally, uh, having lived a life of suppressing my emotions, focused on caring for others, I didn't pay attention to my own needs. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't pay attention to my grief. And I've had situations happen to me throughout my life that I was raised in a family system that you just buck up and you just keep going. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that season of depression allowed me to get honest with how I actually felt about things and actually grieve and beginning to say, okay, that is no longer true about me. I am no longer that broken, damaged, abused, whatever that situation is. Mm -hmm. I can choose forward. Again, what am I going to think about? What I'm going to focus on? What I'm going to be grateful for? That's and it good. doesn't mean that you don't have a need for medication or therapists, but I'm glad you said yeah. that yeah. because that's actually that's part of my mm -hmm. wellness habit. Mm -hmm. Is yes. I take medication, and for a long time I was afraid of going down that path of what did it mean? Did it mean I'd given up? No, it yeah. means that I'm working on getting whole, and that's part of my wellness yeah, plan. Exactly. That's you a know, very powerful message. Yeah. 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 Very you important. know, I think for me in recovery recovery was community. Yeah. Um, I say this to everybody, you cannot do life alone. Mm -hmm. And if you are in isolation or by yourself, then this is the moment today to be intentional about finding a community. Because when I was in a fetal position, not had a shower for a week, I literally had people banging on my door, forcing the superintendent of my condo to mm -hmm. open the door. I had people throwing rocks at my window to ensure that I would stay alive. And people would come in and make me food, clean my house, literally girlfriends throwing me into the shower, brushing my hair. Mm -hmm. And I would not have, I would say this, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for community. And they were from a church that loved me, my family, but it took everybody to get me where I am today. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling people, I say this all the time when I speak, you have to have people. Mm -hmm. And people, yeah. we need to be those people. I was just gonna we, say. We need to we be need those to people be those to say, people. if somebody is depressed or there's something wrong, mm -hmm. ask them, be kind, find out what's going on, how can I help you? Because people cannot do this life alone. Mm -hmm. And so I am so thankful. In eight months, yes, a therapist, a doctor, medication, praying and community got me to where I am. So I hear what you're saying, it's this intentionality of body, mind and soul, 
being a good neighbor, you know, making sure that, you know, we're connected with community, trying to end that stigma as we share our story mm-hmm. so that others don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. Lots of spokes in the wheel. Yes, yes, lots of spokes in the wheel. Thank you so much for all of your thoughts. Those were good. We could do like a five-hour show on this. Easy. Yeah. Easy. But, yeah, thank you for your honesty, and I think this is the start of helping people as they watch and listen mm-hmm. to be brave, too, to come out and say, I have that, too, and then get the help that we need. Well, we wanted a younger and diverse viewpoint on our topic today, so we sent co-host Lisa Pack to the streets of Toronto to interview second-generation young people on mental health and mental illness. This is the preview of what they said. Hi, my name is Lisa Pack, and join me as we speak to the next generation, like the ladies here, about the issues that concern them and how we can continue pouring out into them as the next generation of emerging leaders. Our young people are feeling like we talk about this, but I don't know how to move forward. The safest place for our rage is before God. That is where we can express our heart and our soul, our sorrow, and be met with God's love for us in those spaces. Well, thank you, Mary, Stephen, Carla, and Brett for sharing today so courageously your story. Yeah, I think it's going to really help end stigma and give people the courage to also come out and share their story of mental health challenges. So thanks again. And we're going to have you come back for sure. Yes. (laughs) All right, a whole series. I knew Stephen was going to say the whole series on this. Season. Season. Oh, season. (laughs) Sounds good. Well, I want to end the show uh, with some resources to help you. First of all, we have prayer lines that are available 24-7. We have people on the other end of the line who are there to pray with you and listen to you if you have some struggles. Also, go to seeherlove.com, our website, where we will have resources to direct you for care. And if you are in a crisis after you've heard the show and you're like, that might be me, then please reach out to a mental health professional today. And know that through your struggle, uncertainty and uncertainty, there is a God who loves you, who is with you, that hopes with you and for you. There are also communities that will love and care for you too. But be brave, be honest, talk about your struggles and don't stay in isolation. And for all of us, the four out of five, listen, listen and listen. Be gracious and kind to all people. I know that together we can love and support one another, and we also can embrace the truth that we are seen, we are heard, and we are deeply loved by God. Bye-bye. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.